When Dominic Joyce is not leading recruitment efforts in the banking sector, he's running CV Upgrade, a career coaching service that helps candidates with improving their CVs, cover letters, LinkedIn profiles, and interview skills. Dom has run CV Upgrade for over two years and has helped more than 300 clients and gathered tons of positive feedback. He's also no stranger to 80-hour work weeks because of this, but he was still more than happy to take time off from his busy schedule to talk to me about various things. How did CV Upgrade start? How can candidates improve their skills and LinkedIn profiles? And what are the do's and don'ts of CV writing? Dom breaks all of this down and more, utilizing tons of funny examples in this episode of Coffee with a Recruiter. Excellent. Well, here we go. Hi, Dom. Hey, Jose. How are you? Very good. And you, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm coping uh, despite lockdown, despite all the uh, trials and tribulations and everything that's going on. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Doing very well. Excellent. Well, I can assume keeping yourself busy with CV upgrades and I suppose engaging with people, looking after in terms of their CVs, interviews and and supporting people out there with, you know, in these tough times, just just getting a new job or that that next step. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been manic. Um, Obviously, it's great for me um, picking up obviously new clients. It's just, you know, real shame given the current circumstances, how it's come about. But I think it's um, yeah, it's just a tough market right now for everyone included. The amount of people that are currently unemployed or are on furlough, you know, job uncertainty. It's a very volatile market right now. And there's a lot of people out there that are worried, scared, that don't, I guess, have the direction or have any idea about what to do next. If, of course, their job's you know, defunct to make redundant or you know, if they need to find a new role, um, you know, some of my clients haven't had to write a CV for 20 years. So where, where do you start? What do you do? So, you know, you're right. It's a very um, tough market right now. But ho- hopefully what I've been sort of sharing, obviously, content-wise and information-wise has helped, you know, some people. Yeah. And uh, another thing is just not just writing a CV, but, I mean, I've seen on job, I mean, talking to candidates, but also seen on job descript, not descriptions, but adverts that say, oh, can you also include a cover letter? Can you include things like, uh, why do you want to work here? Why should you come work for us? That stuff that before wasn't even included. So now I suppose companies, they're trying to filter more. So they're adding these extra hoops and extra 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 tasks for candidates to to do right yeah i think the job market right now i think it's definitely a um you've got an absolute barrage of candidates try apply to one role as you just look at any role on linkedin right now and before lockdown you probably had dozens of people applying to it now you've got hundreds and of course of those 200 people that applied probably you could say 40 50 could do the job maybe, maybe less but yeah I think you've now got a lot more quality of candidate available to you. And like you said, that's now the case of how do you then filter and basically screen the right candidate. So I think if you're looking to apply for a role now, people make the mistake of having a one-size-fits-all CV or a cover letter, which, of course, that that will only get you so far. And given the current environment, if you're applying to a role with a generic CV and a cover letter that you haven't really – sorry – a generic cover letter and a 
a CV that obviously isn't sort of filtered towards certain keywords on there or doesn't align to the role, then don't be surprised if you get rejected. I think it's, especially given the current climate now, people don't take that much care in their CVs when it's probably one of the most important bits of paper or document you're going to need. It's the one that's going to, you know, help pay your mortgage, take holidays, put your kids to sort of, you know, football classes or ballet classes or, you know, pay for drinks down the pub at the weekend. But people just don't really seem to give it the attention it deserves. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it this way, I mean, let's say there's four or five interview steps in a in in getting a role. The first one is they see your CV, right? The second one is the first stage interview. The sec the third one is maybe the the tech assessment and so forth. I mean, that's you know that's the one of the most important pieces of of in terms of documentation and paper that you could have, right? In order to get you through the door and get you that ideal role. But we'll unpack that, I mean, hopefully in depth in a few in a few minutes. Really wanted to unpack that a little bit more. But first of all, um, I guess for the people that aren't too familiar with your profile, which I'm sure aren't that many by now, but for the people that might not be too familiar, can you give us a quick overview of your experience and what areas of recruitment you specialize in? Sure. So I started probably six, seven years ago now. Um, I cut my teeth working at agency, working for social care uh, for a company called Shovel Phillips, quite a sort of small, I'd say boutique, you know, only two, three of us. But um, I think, you know, having a supportive boss at the time who taught me how to, you know, be proactive and, you know, in approaching candidates helped me, I guess, become a better recruiter. Uh, I know I think during that time too as well I was um, nominated for best newcomer at the IRC awards which was again a massive you know achievement in my eyes and was thrilled to you know the amount of companies obviously work agency was to get that nomination was um, you know was, was phenomenal um, I got to sort of two or three years into into that and you know social work is a tough market there's always jobs out there but not always the candidates Mm-hmm. Um, and then moved into more of an accountancy and finance background with um, you know High Street, uh, you know um, recruitment company, which um, didn't didn't obviously didn't really enjoy that sort of world. If I'm honest, um, finance and accountancy for me is, is second nature. Um, you know my partner's a part qualified accountant, so of course that was made recruitment accountants and uh, you know credit controllers was a doddle. Um, yeah. I then got approached to go and move internal. I think I enjoyed the client interaction about it. I enjoyed obviously partnering with stakeholders. I enjoyed, you know, really sort of selling one company. Obviously, it's an agency. You wear a lot of hats. So it was a case of I was promoting for 10 different jobs, 10 different companies. In reality, it's hard to really get ingrained into their culture and ethos to promote that to candidates. Whereas when, of course, you're in one company, you're instilled in the culture, the ethos, you know, what, what they do, and you embody all of that, and you yeah. can tell that when you're on the phone. So I then moved into a company based near Reading, which specified in sort of office-based roles, working with um, engineers in the field, so gas engineers, electricians, um, and then from then on was moved into uh, a role, HSBC in Hands on Demand, where you know it's banking now, so I recruit for you know anything banking, going from tech and IT to wealth management to retail banking up the front. Um, pretty much any role in banking that you can think of, you know, risk compliance, and, and that's what I like about my role. It's not pigeonholed to one industry, or one sector, or one job. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I worked with some, you know, I think I was in come for two years now in December there. And um, I finally found an employer that really sort of, you know, I guess gets me as a recruiter, but also as well, you know, trust me to go out and, you know, find the people they need. And, you know, I've met some great stakeholders that I that talk to regularly now. And I think, you know, they empower me to, to become a better recruiter. And I guess most of all, I enjoy my job, you know. Get out of bed in the mornings on a Monday. I don't regret going to work. I don't hate going to work. So, um, you know, I'd say that recruitment wise, I think my areas, you can probably tell that they're quite varied. But I think if you've got the right sort of, I guess, you know, backbone, the right spine, and the right, you know, common behaviors, you can pretty much transcend into most sectors. Um, you know, that's just, I guess, my opinion on, on recruitment. If you've got the right ethics of how you conduct yourself, how you target obviously the right candidates and approach them, how you do with your stakeholders and of course display and promote the company uh, culture. I think you can pretty much move into most roles or most sectors. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think one thing that I wanted to, to also dive a bit deeper into is, so one of the things that a lot of people ask me to ask candidates or, or sorry, not candidates, but people on the podcast is what was the transition like? Was there, you know, from agency to in-house, was there a moment that was, eye-opening that you thought was a bit shocking or you were like oh wow so this is internal this is uh what it takes to to really succeed internally i think it's um i think the move is a lot more people assume that going into internal recruitment is like over time home recruiters <laughs> um which it's, it certainly isn't i think um agency wise you can definitely you know if you've been given the role and you haven't filled it and you know, you can basically ignore calls from the hire manager, saying where's my candidates. Whereas, I think in internal, if you've not got a shortlist for a certain manager, you know, they'll be sat on your desk going, you know, where's my shortlist or what have yeah. you got for me? So I think, I think internal, you're a lot more accountable for deliverables. So if obviously you're given a role and you're given a time frame to deliver it in, you best make sure, of course, that you you know deliver some sort of shortlist. Whereas if agency. You know, not again, not as a common sort of, I guess, conception that if I don't fill it, someone else will, if it's a tough role. Um, yeah. You know, and I guess that's, you know, it's the main difference is that, and of course, agency is a lot of plates been in there. It's a lot of, you know, I think it's down to, you know, building relationships with external stakeholders, whereas it's internal, we're obviously going in house. I think they're your biggest promoters or detractors. If you obviously partner well with a hire manager, you know, it sits well, of course, future hiring. And I think it's, there's a lot of similar aspects from agency to internal. I just think personally that the person that I am, I love talking to people and building those really strong relationships. And I think that works really well in internal. Plus, I'll be honest, Jose, I absolutely detest doing BD calls. I just, <laughs> it's one of the things where I was I was good at doing it, but I hate doing it. And it's the whole, you know, and everyone knows about it. It's the whole gatekeeper. It's no, sorry, don't use agencies or go away. And I'll be honest, it's a personal thing. I don't like rejection. So, uh, you know, I was good at it, but it was a case of some days it was 30 calls, one yes, or 70 yeah. calls and nothing. I think it's a case of, there's a lot of grafting. I think people, I think you should definitely do agency recruitment um, to kind of always, you know, earn your stripes and to understand both sides um, because it's maybe a better recruiter. It's maybe sort of, I guess, toughened up to, you know, potentially candidate feedback or higher manager feedback and, yeah, but I think tradition-wise, I kind of I love it now. I love being, you know, I think it's it's weird because of course you're always sat with hire managers that you can sort of immediately talk to. It's but in a way it's nice because of you're all on the same page. You all want the same result. You want the best person for the job. 
It's not about fees. It's not about, you know, um, quickly to pay for this person to start tomorrow so I can build, build 4K that will then hit my target for the rest of the year. Yeah. It's more about the process and, and it's based on the long, long game. It's not about bum on seat. It's about does this person match the company culture, the ethos, do they really embody what we're looking for for this role there? And that's exciting because, again, it's all that internal tools that you can use, um, you know, psychometric testing, and you kind of obviously control that, and that's what I like about it. Yeah, you. I mean, it's it's more culture fit at that stage. It's more well, is this person going to be happy in the in the role that we're trying to recruit them for? And it's all about transparency, also because you can then. I mean, you're the person there that you're getting the person in a company in your company, and you got to think maybe two three months down the line are they going to stay are they going to be happy in this role so it's definitely when it comes to candidate experience for example you really got to think okay are both hiring manager and candidate going to be happy with this situation right because sometimes you can still get it over the line and take some risks but you gotta if you're internal ask yourself well, is that risk worth it in getting this person in here? Or do we still want to dedicate some extra time to getting the right people? Um, so you, I suppose you, you know, Alexander Mann and so forth started working there. Tell me about CV Upgrade and how did it start and how did you start it and why did you start it? Uh, CV Upgrade actually started when I was working for um, that company who actually now, now liquidates actually, unfortunately. But um, I was recruited for engineers in the field and obviously gas engineer or sparky or rewire your house which is a very intricate job but when it comes to putting down on their city what they do and what they know it was um i was just looking at head and hands thinking like you know i mean some of their cvs had less variety than a tin of baked beans on them it was that <laughs> that finite you couldn't it was like name age and what they did um so I think it's just sort of a trick, like the surely there's got to be a market for people that write CVs. So I literally went on to godaddy.com and was playing about with names and cvupgrade.com was 99p. And I thought that's got to be a sign. So yeah, <laughs> nice. bought, bought, bought the web domain um, and have had a, a really sort of, you know, poor attempt at building a website, which, you know, I could do help, but I just don't have the time or, or you know, to really get someone to look at it. But it serves a purpose to, you know, to kind of promote what I do. But, um, and then I guess I just, you know, started using social media to promote what I was doing. People obviously knew that my background was recruitment. And it kind of started with just friends and family first, which, you know, at the time I was charging £20 for a CV cover letter, yeah. which you know, looking back now, obviously I charge a lot more now, but, I guess obviously as any business you have to make sure of course that you gain the customers to then gain the reviews to then gain I guess the, the footprint in the market so yeah. um, of course then you know word of mouth spread and um, you know I think you use Google Ads to try and promote the business went on freelancing sites to you know, I guess try and tout for people's business on on there and I think I worked out in the first year my net profit was £500 which of course is you know, which is, it was a bit disheartening because, of course, it's, it's many hours in the office. It's, you know, the cost of you know, advertising and materials, um, but just had, you know, second year's results. And, um, yeah, I think we were about 1,500% above what we were last year. So, you know, it just kind of shows you that if you start a business, especially even now, that just keep going. I think, obviously, it's snowballed to a much bigger 
piece now. I still love what I do. You know, the the feeling of having a client come to you and saying, look, my CV's bad and I need help with it. And it's it's not doing justice. And then, you know, I've always said it's not, I'm not a ghostwriter. It's a collaboration. I'll yeah. partner with you to make sure, of course, that I draw out from your CV what you're good at, how you add value, and make sure, of course, that it still embodies you. You still look at it and go, yeah, that's me. Because then, of course, the other person's got to sit there in an interview and talk about what you do. And hearing people's success stories, oh, you've got me this job, it's 10K a year more now, I can it eases my you know, punch of burn, or you've helped me get out of a job that I really hated, or, you know, I've not worked for four years, I'm a stay-at-home mum, thank you. And hearing those things there just makes it worthwhile. And I think people are great at talking about what they do in an interview, but it's just getting down to a bit of paper that's the hard part. Yeah, I think there's definitely, especially in these difficult times, as you mentioned early on, there's a good need for people like you to to get candidates over the over the line when it comes to adding that extra tweak or to the CV, to the interview, to how they describe themselves. And I mean, it's a story of pure hard work. If you when you started CV upgrade in the first year, I mean, I can imagine it takes a lot of time and learning also, right? Because you a lot of things that are not recruitment related, but in terms of promoting yourself on social media or or creating a website, that's also hard work being put into it. Um, now, one thing I wanted to touch upon before sort of dissecting the CV, right, is, and the, I don't, hopefully I'm asking this the right way, but um, one of my frustrations is, is you're, you got this amazing candidate and, but they have, this really poorly written CV and they get rejected by the hiring manager just based on the CV, right? Um, would you be able to give any advice to hiring managers in order to avoid rejecting CVs uh, that are good candidates, but they're just really maybe badly written CVs? I think it's it's very, very tough, isn't it, to try and give advice to them because, again, one CV that looks good to one hiring manager will look completely you know, different to another one. And yeah. even just, I think it's a case of, and especially more now than ever, you've got 10 seconds to make that impression on CV when if a hiring manager's got to make a choice on interviewing five people out of 50, you know, it's a case of perhaps looking beyond what they feel they see. I feel a lot of time people now as well just kind of get lost in a template or they basically make that first appearance based on even a photo. So I think to encourage hiring managers to sort of, I guess, relook at a CV, I guess it's almost a case of like, look at the sort of, I say, look at the most recent job title, what they've done, how long they've been there for, is it related to what you're looking for? If not, go back to the previous job title. If they've listed on the CV core skills or qualifications, and in a way, you kind of have like a little tick box in your head, will this person add value to the business or can they add value if we, you know, if we upskill them? And I think sometimes, and we've all seen it too as well, that, it's about how you project yourself and how you come across on that CV. And sometimes, you know, you'll go for all the effort writing that CV and thinking it looks great. And then it just takes 10 seconds for someone to look at it and go, no, not what we need. And then that's yeah. all that hard work gone to, gone to waste. So I think advice to hire managers is kind of, they, I guess, already in their head have that ideal candidate. And I think that we all do in our head as well as a recruiter. You know, we sort of take that brief and go, right, that candidate's got to have this, this and this and this. If they got that, I'll guarantee that they're definitely getting interviewed maybe the job. I think sometimes people are, are sort of quick to dismiss if perhaps one person hasn't got a slight element to the, what they're looking for. So potentially, you know, they've got X amount of experience rather than required five. 
is that going to be a deal breaker? Maybe not. So I think yeah. it's more about being adaptable to a series that you have and thinking, well, can we work with this? Rather than the case of no, I think that's the case right now is making sure that you don't just dismiss it. It's about having perhaps, rather than having a reject pile and an accept pile, having, well, let me give that one, a, you know, we'll have time to say a bit more review just to make sure I'm not missing anything on there. But that's, I guess, what advice I'd give to our managers. Yeah, and part of it is also us recruiters filling in the gaps when it comes to the phone screen and engaging with candidates and just being able to go back to the hiring manager and telling them, look, I know the CV doesn't show X, Y, and Z skills, but I actually spoke to them. And actually, at this job and at their last job, they actually did implement these skills. So would you be able to to speak with them and qualify that a bit deeper? Um, now, on, on that point, so let's talk about the CV and sort of what the ideal CV should look like, because naturally, a lot of candidates out there, and maybe we can also use recruiters as an example, right? But what are the guidelines when, when preparing your own CV, right? What, what would be the guidelines there or what would be the do's and don'ts of preparing your, your CV? I think it's, it's always tough, isn't it, with a CV that you try and create for yourself because if we look at it, CVs are subjective. It's whatever you feel that should go on the CV. And let's face it, there's no legislation, there's no sort of body that look up the CVs and say that you must have X, Y, Z on there. I'll put that on there. So I think yeah. it's down to, and let's face it, we've all been there as recruiters. It's what do you plumb for first? Why did you pick up that CV? Why did that person get, you know, shortlisted over that person? I think, and again, this is, I guess, my personal opinion, is, I guess, work for a lot of my clients is think about obviously the template, first of all, because as mentioned, you know, countless times you've got seven seconds, 10 seconds, you've got seconds to make that rash choice, you know, that choice on that candidate, are they right for the role? So if I can't tell in 10 seconds what you do, what you're good at, I'm probably not going to shortlist you. Um, we're going to put in a phone call yourself. So I think um, the common ones you have, obviously, just make sure that, you know, name, phone number, email, and LinkedIn URL, people just leave it off this, their profile. Um, and I couldn't go to a LinkedIn URL on a CV rather than a cover letter now as a process. Yeah. Hmm. Um, just I think because it's it kind of that's as it's developed obviously over technology, you know, more areas down to put on a good LinkedIn profile. You also have on there recommendations. Um, people can obviously it's almost like a mini sort of social media check. You can check what someone yeah. posted on there. If they've obviously, you know, you see a great candidate, you look at their CV, um, and you go to the LinkedIn profile on there, just basically arguing everyone on there, they're posting aggressive content. Is that person want the business? So I think it gives someone insight into the person's professional background too. Um, and people miss it off there quite often. You then got elements like, I guess, core skills, um, which I'll go to in a second, but even personal summary on there. People, um, I guess, get hung up on the content, which it does have an impact. So I think as a recruiter, words like motivated, enthusiastic, driven, or a personal yeah. summary, I don't know if you agree, they're kind of dead words now. You know, if I had one pound for every time someone put, they're motivated in the personal summary. Mm. You know, I, I, I could have bought an island in Turks and Caicos by now and could have been seeing yeah. coconuts beach because it's just, it doesn't really kind of drive home what you are as a person because everyone's motivated. You know, you to get out of bed, you've got to be motivated. So I think it's more a case of, you know, using those strong sort of um, you know, words to make sure, of course, that you articulate yourself in the right way. Um, and then core skills. Kind of the core skills are almost like, um, like a mini sort of signpost of what you can offer a business. 
And you know, I tell a lot of my clients, when you put on your core skills, it's like when you buy a car. You know, you look at the picture of the car, you'll see this, you know, it's the make and model you want. And then before you read all that content below, which is like a CV, you then got the bullet points, which is either your core skills or in car terms, mileage, gearbox, engine size, insurance group, previous owners. And that kind of, as a recruiter or to buyer, that is your affirmation that, look, that person has got X, Y, Z, or that car's got X, Y, Z. That is what I'm looking for. I now feel compelled to read on that, that CV. So strong core skills on there. And things, again, not that are soft, like great listener, that belongs on Tinder or plenty of fish, <laughs> whatever dating profile you have. Because, again, <laughs> the, these aren't really skills. They're more just personal traits. You know, a great listener or great communicator. Um, yeah, you kind of have to be to work, obviously, in most environments. Or, you know, um, and the worst one, again, I always laugh at is attention to detail. And then you find they've spelled their, their name wrong or they've spelled the first first sentence, you know, crackle errors everywhere. So, yeah. you know, I think strong core skills need to be put into that. I think what I commonly see on and even recruiter series, because, of course, you see on LinkedIn right now that there's a lot of recruiters out there that have lost their jobs to, to COVID-19. And they post a CV on there. And a lot of them are missing things like added value or achievements, which I think you can find in any role that you go into, whether it's you've been at Binman, whether you work on the fish counter at Tesco's, whether you work obviously, you know, um, yeah. you know, in an office environment, you can always find an achievement or added value. And I think commonly people just copy and paste their job description that's on the contract, put it onto their CV and go, right, that's what I do, which yeah, that's correct. That's what you do. That's what you're paid to do. But how do you add value? What's your sort? Of, what's your calling card? What have you done in that role that's basically taken that position to the next level? How have you, you know, what have you achieved? What have you delivered? Have you, you know, defined processes? Have you added obviously bottom line to the profit margin? Have you, you know, saved time with customers and interaction? Have you, you know, perhaps upskilled other colleagues? And it's that the kind of, I guess, if you're a recruiter right now in this current marketplace, and let's face it. If you're seeing one job out for a recruiter, I saw one the other day for TikTok. I think it had 800 <laughs> pictures on there. And, you know, it's, you could probably say, if you're literally looking to apply, and you're probably one of probably 200 recruiters on there, how do you sort of separate out the series? Because you all do the same job. You all screen candidates, you list jobs, yeah. partner stakeholders. What makes you different to anybody else? And it's your key skills. It's your key skills. It's your added value. It's your achievements on there. So things like, Ran a project and delivered it above before you know before deadline and within budget or you know potentially headhunted the you know, new CEO or you know it seems to kind of show on there your capabilities as the same to a hire manager look I do my job but I do so much more than my job and here's why I will add value to your business here's why you yeah. need me in your business I think that's kind of lost and again it's the whole people are very flimsy about the CV and they kind of think that and there's a, I've always gone with saying that good enough isn't you know oh, it's good enough. No, it's not. You can do better than that. And that's the case of yeah. this This job is paying your mortgage, just putting food in your mouth and your kids' mouths. If you're looking at it going, yeah, that'll do. It's not, is it, though? You know, and it's a case of, I think recruiters obviously share best practice with each other. They help each other. Um, and what I've seen as well, which I, I mentioned through the podcast, is I've seen a lot of recruiters, you know, on LinkedIn offering to review CVs for people around jobs. And that is commendable because of we get a pretty bad rap a lot of times from, from mm. candidates. Yeah. I think. You see a lot lately that have stepped up and offered free, you know, CV reviews, and for that it's obviously phenomenal. But I think sort of going back to the CV side of it, um, that's kind of your main figures and points there, and also not waffling. Um, obviously, you're a recruiter too as well. I don't want to see a five-page CV. I don't have time to read five, you know, five pages or four pages. You know, it's one, two pages generally. 
um, three for more senior roles. And I think people waffle. You know, you see yeah. two, you see a whole page of someone putting what they did at JD Sports in 2006, which <laughs> not being funny, but you're now working in, in business finance. Yeah. Is that role is you know is that role going to really have a impact on your CV? No, then cut it out then, and that's that's what's important. You've got to be self-critical, and also don't be embarrassed to get another person to look at it for you. Fresh pair of eyes. So I think it's about a good template that stands out. That's different from your typical black on white, which you know will still go through an ATS and whole ATS comments one for another day because that's a massive myth that needs to be addressed. But that's I guess. Um, you know, one needs to be discussed, you know, elsewhere. But um, I think it's more a case of presentation, obviously personal summary, core skills, and then go to CV and how you add value. Um, things that don't need to be clicked on there. If you were obviously at school in 2002 and you got a bean through tech, has it served you well in your quote today? No. You know, I've never needed my, my, my bean art design for any role I've ever had. And also, it's 20 years ago now. Why is it in your CV for? It has no impact. Of course, you know, degrees on there, keep them on. But anything else, obviously, like you know, GCSEs for 20 years ago, take them out. You know, no one's ever questioned me or asked me to get copies of my exam results. I'm pretty sure they never would do. Um, again, things like, again, this is a personal opinion, Jose, but hobbies and interests. As a recruiter, <laughs> I just care that you can do the job. Um I personally don't care you like pottery. I don't care if you support Arsenal. I don't care that you like mountain biking because of, to me, that's that's great to hire a manager that, you know, that might ask that or might not. But I guess you're hiring based on the person's ability to do the job and their experience and skill sets, not whether they like to, you know, you know like cheeky Nando's or you know, they do karate. But I think it's more focused on what you could bring to a, to a role. And, yeah, I think people... Kind of just basically hope that the brand names on the CV will kind of get them through the door. You see a lot of you know, big, big sort of companies they work for. People assume, oh, they work there, they must be good, but it's not always the case. So I think, yeah, I think that sort of covers off what I'd say focus on when looking at your CV. At Sotra, I think one of the key maybe problems, uh, and I had to learn this the, the, the hard way, but sometimes we get so attached to things we did long ago. Like for me, it was for the longest time. I Like back in 2011, 2012, I did some volunteer work. And and later on throughout the years, I was like, yeah, but I really want to let that in the in the CV, you know, because I had such a good time and I learned so much. But then it's like, okay, at one point I was like, mm, okay, it's been like five, good five years with that on the cv and no one's commented on it or no one asked me about it or anything like that during interviews do i want to keep it there and uh, at the end after um, and and unfortunately i didn't know this earlier but i was like yeah no one really cares you know no one's really looking at that so i might need to just just remove it and and same goes with with things like education because um, you know a lot of people they would maybe describe a lot of a lot of details when it comes to things they did long ago, but and that's one of the things with recruitment and it's a bit of a debate. But do you do you need a degree for for recruitment? I mean, it kind of maybe helps a little bit, but it's not one of the key essential elements. Almost you you could you could argue. So that's one thing that you can shorten a little bit, right? Yeah, I think. The whole degree thing, and, and I can go to the university, Jose. Um, you know, I get asked the interviews, so I go to university. My reply is, went to university of life. 
I went out. <laughs> I, earned, I went out. I earned money. I made mistakes in jobs. I, you know, picked the wrong jobs. I picked the wrong relationships with people. You know, on a personal level, I think me going out at sort of 16, 17, 18, working in you know retail and then going into sales, kind of. You know, this is not to compare education versus experience, but on a personal note, you know, I feel that me going out and working, understanding the value of money, actually, and I guess finding myself as a person, what I want to do, served me better when I came to obviously find and at 27, obviously, I found to be a recruiter, which yeah. took, you know, nearly 10 years later. But during that 10 years, I made some mistakes, I had some great jobs, some bad jobs, I had some wins, some losses. I think obviously education wise too, you you know, you get the experiences obviously do placements and but you sort of spend three years um in heart and people come out of their, their degrees and then what they want to go into isn't there. And you see countless recruiters that have got degrees in geography or fine arts or photography that are now trying to obviously, you know, recruit recruit candidates for roles. So I think it's a case of if you people sometimes know they want to go into you know biomechanics and they'll get a degree in it, we'll get a placement, and they'll have four years in that job and retire happy, and that's great. But a lot of time people feel compelled to go to university because of it's almost like it's it's the process now to go to university to get a degree to have a chance to get a job, and then you come out and you know it's again it's a bum fight. You can't always mm-hmm. guarantee a job, and then you you know you're thirty grand in the hole when someone that may have spent the last three years working up in a company elsewhere. To where you want to be is already there because they've sort of put the work in but it kind of goes both ways you can say that a degree may help you but again experience money but like you said again there going back for x amount of years you know for example if you're currently a sales director now why would you then put on your cv all this content about being a sales manager you're not going to go back there just basically yeah. talk about you know summarizing it was from here to this day in this role in this company and it's a role that everyone knows what the title does. A sales manager obviously has to hit targets and lead teams and look after obviously client client desks and portfolios. Everyone will know that. So don't feel need to waffle about a role that you technically, okay, it's had a bearing on your career today, but it's not one you go back into, most certainly. So it's just you know, focus obviously on what's here and now. I've always said rule of thumb, generally depend on your role the last five to seven years, if it's relevant, on your CV and then just Best of it, summarise it in early career. Just date from until company name, job title, and that's that's what they really need. Um, now, when it comes to to LinkedIn, because here's and maybe we could touch upon this quickly. But when it comes to LinkedIn, a lot of times you let's say if I was talking to a candidate, and mm. I would be okay, excellent. Can you can you send me your CV? They tell me, oh well, you can just download my my LinkedIn. Right. So mm-hmm. then you get in that awkward debate like, well, you know, but the CV is different. I mean, in, maybe in your opinion or how do you see LinkedIn versus a CV? I mean, how is how is LinkedIn different? What should you put on on LinkedIn? And is there anything that you shouldn't put that you do need to put on your CV? How do they relate to each other? I almost say LinkedIn is almost like a digital version of your CV to a certain extent. So you obviously could, you've got the about section there, which you could say is where you tell the story of yourself and your career. You know, people obviously commonly will put in there their profile summary, then they list below it their core skills um, and their software knowledge. I think obviously if you look at a LinkedIn profile, you kind of obviously will look at the picture first, the job title, and the first section you see is the about section. So that's kind of where you want to try and, I guess in my opinion, try and get the information in there as to what you do, what you're good at. You can make it a little bit more personable in terms of who you are. You haven't got to do a cut and paste on it. Yeah. Um, CV. 
But again, it's almost, it is, I hate saying it because I cringe when I say it, but it's a business Facebook, you know, it's your profile <laughs> yeah. to sort of, it's your personal brand, isn't it? People are now seeing the face behind the CV. So it's, an, I'd say it's an extension of it. They obviously share a lot of similarities in terms of course, job history. I think with LinkedIn, limiting you know, characters, so you perhaps couldn't put all the content from perhaps what a job you've done recently because it's only got a certain amount of characters is, is limits you. Um, it's great in that sense though. You can add obviously things like um, pictures, video links on there, uh, photos to showcase your course experience. So I think if you're looking at perhaps like a UX UI design point of view from people like that and creative, you can also sort of post part of your portfolio on there. Uh, you know, I think also elements to like recommendations on, will have, you know, great weight behind your profile. Of course, it's not just you make days that's chucked your recommendation. Yeah, I know Dom's solid guy, you know, great on the night out, loves beer. Like, it's more, obviously, getting that personal recommendation that's professional from, you know, your ex-manager or the director. And then you have kind of like a mini reference, which you can't necessarily have on a CV or shouldn't have on a CV. So I think they're very different. I wouldn't ever take someone's, if I was told down my LinkedIn profile, I, to me, that's kind of, they're not bought into the process. They're not bought into actually having someone read their CV, either that or their CV is completely atrocious. Mm. And that's why I told you to look at the LinkedIn profile. And of course, you know, LinkedIn recruiter, you can download their profile card onto PDF, but it's going to be the same template as every other candidate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, so true. How are you, how you going to stand out? But also as well, you know, how many times have you, have you looked at a, a candidate's profile as on LinkedIn and it's just, just basically got their name, their job titles, and that's it. It's, yeah. you know, it's, there's no, again, there's no, you can rank as an all-star and have minimal content on there. You think, I think also, you know, I use LinkedIn recruiter a lot to find candidates and to, and to build a network and even things on their skills endorsements are critical because if I'm trying to find DevOps engineer in London, there's probably going to be about, you know, 200,000 on there probably, but it's then when you look at key skills on there, that then obviously trim that down to give you a lot more, you know, sort of finite figure. And I think if you have, you know, your content on it has to be obviously populated, it has to be concise, uh, you know, that, and that's how I guess as a recruiter, you, you can, you know, you're, you're findable, you're searchable, you're, you know, connectable, that's the best way to do it. So I think a CV will always be required, I think. I think we're years away yet from having, you know, a LinkedIn profile embedded with CV as an application. Yeah. But I think, it, it, in my opinion, the LinkedIn profile kind of carries more weight than a cover letter from a recruiter's point of view. Essentially, not a hiring manager, but definitely from a recruiter. I you will get a CV. But like the candidate, I think they're going to be a good fit for the business. I'm straight on LinkedIn, either finding them via the link they've given me or searching for them, connecting with them. And again, it's a case when it comes to posting jobs. If you put a job out there itself there and you've got a nice, you know, selection of people that work in risk that are liking it it helps again with job postings it helps again for you know for building your network and sharing content so i think linkedin needs a lot more attention i think we've even seen now i've seen a lot of students on there getting on board with like six formers and and you know people have seen last year's at school and colleges because they understand how it's going to become such an important platform now and in the next sort of five to ten years yeah, it's so so important to really have somewhat of a nuanced sort of difference between LinkedIn and and the CV. I think personally, it comes back to LinkedIn. It has a social element. People see what you're like on social media, how you interact. But also, I mean, and I I really like what you said there. I mean, if you submit a a LinkedIn PDF format type CV, then 
I mean, that format is, is kind of ugly, right? I mean, it doesn't mm. look really appealing to the eye. It looks very dry. Um, and a lot of times, at least to me personally, what hiring managers tell me or or back in agency, what my, uh, my client leads would tell me is, well, look, the hiring manager is going to see that as a bit lazy, right? Like, oh, the mm. candidate didn't want to take the time to create a CV, so they just you know they just chucked in a uh, a linkedin a linkedin profile so it's really your i mean it's it's a bit of a tricky situation you're putting yourself in right and um yeah it's just such a i mean at, at the very least it's it's good to distinguish between both um so there's that to there's that to consider now when it comes to when it comes to things like okay we've discussed you know the cv and and linkedin profile i really wanted to touch upon one thing, which is the the candidates themselves, right? Because you've engaged with so many people and you've probably heard some amazing stories along the way. So I wanted to ask you sort of what's your most memorable maybe situation or candidate where it was tough, there were challenges and they needed a lot of work, but in the end you pulled through and they got this amazing job. Um, do you have a maybe one memorable sort of experience or moment or or candidate even? Yeah, sure. Are we talking more towards sort of CV writing or actually when I was recruited for a role? Oh, CV, CV writing, really. Um, where, sure. Yeah. Um, so I recently had um, someone that came to me from um, Carphone Warehouse. So they hadn't obviously been there for 20 odd years now, had been, you know, working tirelessly, um, you know, for that role for the last, I think it was 18, 20 years. And I think Carphone look after their staff really, really well. So the fact they all went down you know, it was, was a massive shock. And of course, 20 years, no CV, you know, always got in some promotions, didn't, you know, had no idea what comprised the CV. Um, and, and almost was in tears thinking, well, I've been 20 years now on this one job. I've got no idea what the market's like. I've got no idea how to write a CV. And uh, I get told about what this LinkedIn thing is. And I don't know <laughs> what it works. Um, and I think it's that's not just that person there. But I think that happens a lot in the whole marketplace. You know, five, ten years is a long time in technology for them to change. Yeah. And even CVs. So, um, you know, it was a case of we could generally like to meet people that are local, but we had to have a few Skype calls and Zoom calls. Um, and, you know, I've built countless CVs from scratch. It was more a case of, look, tell, tell me through your entire career, what you do that adds value, what you're good at. We basically collaborated to build a CV that stood out, sent them some template examples, to obviously really get their opinion because again it's their CV it's their name on it they have to be proud of it yeah. uh, and how do I and interview wise what, what's the process now it's a case of it's almost like taking someone that you know that's lands on planet earth and it's like right you know how do I get a job what's a CV what's LinkedIn what's the best injury techniques and even though they were managing themselves they had no idea to obviously go out and I guess be in the shoes of candidates that were interviewed by them so it took interview coaching, it took obviously templates, it took, um, you know, role play, you know, LinkedIn profile building, how to expand your network, sharing content, building up the personal brand to make sure, of course, that people could see them because you can't engage with what you can't see. Um, I, I took this person that was a phenomenal store manager that smashed every target under the sun in, I guess, their bubble and their safe haven that got thrown out as so many people have done right now, into the big bad world with no CV, no clue, no idea what to do or how to go about it to get a job. And then realising mm-hmm. that they're not alone is an awful experience. And people talk about, you know, well, you've got this time on your hands now, learn a new skill. 
just got to get a job or just survive. But so they had the CV was created for themselves. They had you know a good cover letter itself. I set up LinkedIn job alerts for themselves, which again a lot of people don't really do nowadays. LinkedIn job alerts is phenomenal. Mm. Um, they start applying to jobs here and there. In the first two weeks, they had three interviews. Um, of those three, they had two offers and, and took one of them, which actually was um, a slightly better package than what they left on Carphone with. So, you know, for me, that was um, you know, a really you know, good news story. And I think from that, you know, I guess people that work in those environments obviously have their WhatsApp groups and their, their sort of group chats. And from that, it kind of snowballed into them having, I think I've probably worked around sort of 50 Carphone staff now. Uh, mostly managers because it just takes one person to give them a good CV, yeah. make them feel good about themselves, get them a, a job because you know they had two kids, they had you know a partner didn't work as well, and he was the main breadwinner. He had to pay the bills, and yeah. and it's I've never been in that position myself, but I can't begin to imagine how it must feel. And you kind of take on a little bit of the burden too, whether you mean to or not, because of course they're putting their trust into you to write their CV. It's then going to pay their bills for them, um, but you know. After that, they've been like, look, once it's all died down, you know, you come and ask for a barbecue and all this sort of stuff, you know. And it's, you know, I've made some, I've made some friends that were clients that became friends out of this. So, I think, you know, there's big companies out there that do this whole writing malarkey and they put CVs through systems that rank them as doers and achievers, which is complete bollocks. Um, but if you can put that on the podcast, um, <laughs> I think. Um, if you look at a series, you can't take away the human element behind it. You need the human touch to understand people's motivated the drivers. And this person here just had to get a job to support their family, um, but also needed obviously a lot of support and guidance. And you know, and it was a collaboration. And you know, I to sort of hear when they called me and said I've got the job, um, and they actually got a bit teary. Which you know, I, I'll be honest, Jose, I'm the most unemotional person. <laughs> I, I, if someone cries around me, I walk away. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't deal with that sort of on sort of the patronising tap on the shoulder like there, there, there. It's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he started crying. I was like, "Thank you so much." And you know, I, I did get a bit emotional. I was like, you know, because it, it meant a lot to me as well. And yeah. I think that's the thing as well. Is a case of be you know that person's now in their in job four weeks down to their job. We talk all the time now. We always WhatsApp each other and you know send you funny pictures. I think that's what I like about it. Some clients of mine will come and go, and they'll they'll pay their money and they'll say thank you and. They've got a new job. I'll never hear from them again. Others, you know, will, will be a friend for life. I've been, I've got wedding invites coming up as well from clients. Wow, um, that's so cool. Yeah, I've got a staff doing that as well, which I'm a bit apprehensive about just getting signed off from the missus. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's a case of that one that's memorable just for the sheer, I guess, urgency. I think also because of their, you know, their sort of desire to, to I guess, get find a job quickly and also their lack of knowledge of the marketplace right now. And this is someone that's been, in a stable role for 20 years. So for me, you know, and there's many more like that, but that person there from the sheer net emotional roller coaster that we went on together was um was really memorable. That's that's so cool, and that's such a such a case where someone didn't have a C, didn't have to apply for a job for 20 years, you said. And 20 years, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then with no CV, no interview experience, they're thrown into to, to the market right and you almost got to coach them through 10 years of, of professional social media development jd's job descriptions uh, mm -hmm. cvs and applying linkedin all of that i mean it's really an example where someone had to start from scratch from almost zero right correct yeah it's, it's, it's taking someone from scratch and it's almost a case of like 
is you literally teach them everything cv the cover letter the application process social media the whole lot and it's um but it makes them a better person and now that person's posting on linkedin i wouldn't drop the name in there but they're posting now on LinkedIn about um about what their, their company does and their products and you know just taking someone that was almost like you know so shut off and was so worried is now flourishing and it's, it sounds cheesy as hell, but I'm going to say it. A good CV can do that for you. You know, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's very, it opens a lot of doors. And if you, you know, if you obviously then can interview well, you'll be fine. And, you know, that's, I guess the key is now is your CV needs the attention it deserves. Now, just wanted to, I know you're, 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 you're busy, Dominic, but just wanted to wrap up with uh, some, some practical advice when it comes to preparing for interviews and um, and if we have time, preparing also cover letters. Sort of, what would be your top three tips for preparing for an interview and, and a cover letter? Would you say? I'd say for, for interviews, research the company, but also as well research the people you're interviewing with. So um, I put a post out recently around interview questions, um, and one that's really good to ask is research the people that you're sitting in front of, and find out how they've been there. And a really soft question that's quite emotive is, you know, John, Jane, you've been here for 10 years now. What keeps you here? It shows that you've done your research on the company, but also as well about people you're talking to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, always, you know, always make notes, always come in there again with your research. I'd say as well, turn up, people make mistakes to turn up half an hour for an interview, which is kind of like really, really keen. You wouldn't do it for a date, would you? So, you know, turn up, you know, in good time. And also as well, you know, the dress code. I think companies now obviously are a lot more about you know, that sort of you know, environment of casual working. Yeah. But I think you can't take away from obviously dressing, you know, for the occasion and making sure, of course, that you, you know you look sharp and you look professional. You may not even wear that suit again, company, but you show them, of course, that you can take it seriously. I've seen people interview in tracksuit bottoms. Um, <laughs> someone came wearing flip flops once, um, which didn't, didn't didn't last a long time. So I think you know it's it's the research for the company. It's the um, it's the obviously at the um, dress code and your approach to it, timekeeping. But also, as well, it's a case of come there with questions. The biggest pet hate that I get is you interview someone for a whole hour, 90 minutes, you grill them <laughs> to an inch of their life, and they're sat there like a, in their chair, like a nervous wreck. And you say to them, Look, you've, given, you've had your hour now, us quitting you. You can now ask us questions. And they sit there and go, No, you've covered everything. Which is which is absolute rubbish, you know. I you can ask about the culture, the ethos, the progression, why it was become available. You know, there's there's so many things you can ask an interviewer that people fail to ask. And to me, as a recruiter, that kind of shows lack of interest that you're not really interested in the role. So I would say pick four or five questions around. And I think I've got a post on my LinkedIn page about the top 15 questions to ask. Um, you know, check that out. That might be quite handy as well. Um, in co- to cover letter, I think it's a case of each colour must be different to a different company, but you still have what I call the core spine and backbone. So in terms of what makes you do. So, it, you know, it's, again, they're very subjective. You know, the supporting statements, cover letters, you know, always obviously introduction as to why you apply for the role. So having obviously looked at X companies, um, vacancy on the website and being a massive brand advocate of your company itself there, I felt compelled to apply given that I, Already, obviously, brand ambassador and put the brand already. Uh, talking about why you're applying for the role, then what you can bring to the role. Um, I list as well on, on people's achievements that relate to the role. So, if you're applying for a sales role, talk about how you delivered certain figures, you know, client portfolio growth, or um, you know, promotions, obviously, in the, in the company itself. 
um, you know, we sign off with a, a thank you that, you know, if I could provide any more information around my experience and credentials, please reach out to me and sign off that way. But I, I've seen five page characters that I would never read. It's a case of, you know, why you're applying for the role, what you bring to the role, your achievements, wrap it up, sign off as the, you know, get in touch with me. Um, and that's, that's it. That's it. You haven't got a complicated cup letter. People talk about their life story, why, you know, about when their, their dog died and they got into nursing and, and mm. you know, it's, there's obviously a, a personal element to it. People feel need to sort of give a whole life story, just make it about the role, why you're applying for it and why you fit it. Um, that's all that has, has to be done. Yeah, it's, it comes back to hiring managers or recruiters having only five, 10 seconds to to decide whether they want to interview someone or not based on their CV, but now also their cover letter. So if they don't feel the magic almost, if they if you can, it's tricky. If, you, if a candidate can't encapsulate that in those five, 10 seconds in that one, two pager, then it gets tricky, right? So there's a, it is a bit of an art and, um, and really appreciate you, you doing this, Dominic. What's the best way to contact you if someone has any questions, comments about their CVs, about their cover letters, how to prepare for interviews? What's the best way to reach you? Um, you can obviously you know, follow myself on um, on LinkedIn. I say follow like some sort of stalker or, you know, <laughs> or, or connect me on LinkedIn. Um, website is cvupgrade.com um, or info at cvupgrade.com. Um, working when I'm browsing, I probably get all manner of different sort of pictures that come through at midnight. So, um, but um, yeah, on the website, all the information on there. Um, I'm pretty responsive to messages on LinkedIn, providing the course is not a hi, how are you? Because um, the generic response that doesn't get in there as recruiters know what that's about. Um, but yeah, reach out to me, LinkedIn, website address. Um, and, and yeah, and obviously, I'm very responsive um, when obviously I've got a moment spare. And uh, yeah, I'll always get back to you. To people listening, definitely follow Dom on LinkedIn. He shares tons of tips, insights, comments on on all of the stuff that we just discussed. I mean, definitely worth someone to, to follow and to connect with. Dom, I really wanted to thank you for taking the time. I know you're quite busy, so really wanted to, to say I appreciate you taking the time for this. And uh, hopefully we can spread this um, this episode as much as we can. You know, there's definitely people that need to listen to this and that people that really need these tips right at these at these times, you know? No, definitely. Let's get it spread. And um, yeah, hope people find it useful. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll start getting interviews and getting jobs that they deserve. Absolutely. Dom, thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. For any questions or comments, feel free to visit cvupgrade.com or check out Dom's LinkedIn in the episode description. Don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast. Thanks again and stay safe.